Under state law, a group of 500 or more New Yorkers living in a certain geographic boundary can initiate a process to form their own village government. But that process, including the thresholds needed to form a new village, could be changing as a result of legislation approved in June at the Capitol. For more on the issue, we're joined by Assemblymember Fred Thiel, a Long Island Democrat who chairs the chamber's local government committee. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Thanks, Dave. It's good to see you. It's our pleasure. So for starters, I'm curious why New Yorkers, at least in recent years, have opted to form villages. What's the benefit of this type of incorporation? You know, usually there's one of a, a couple of reasons. One, certainly in my area on Long Island, and I think also in the Hudson Valley, is control over land use. Most of the great controversies of local government involve zoning and land use of some kind, and Usually areas that form a village aren't happy with what the local town is doing and want more control over their land use. That's one of the reasons. This, the second that, uh, you know, that I've seen is just uh, services. They want more services. Mm-hmm. For example, one village on Long Island was formed. They, they felt they needed more code enforcement. Uh, they, they wanted greater services. They thought they were being ignored by the town. So, you know, it it usually is some sort of dispute with the local town where an area feels that they're not being treated properly. The areas are usually either land use or, you know, other services, police services, law enforcement, things of that nature. Well, when you think about the process that these potentially disgruntled New Yorkers can go through to create their own village, what do you think of it? Does it have, say, enough checks and balances? Is it responsible? What are your thoughts? I, I think it doesn't, and I think that really was the reason for for the for the legislation, at least one of the reasons. And you know, if you're going to create a new county, the state legislature would have to look at whether it's in the public interest. If you're going to create a new town, uh, it's the county legislature has to look and see if it's in the public interest. Even if you're going to create a water district or a sewer district, the state controller looks and sees. What's the tax impact and whether or not it's affordable? With villages, basically, if you've got 500 residents and you draw a line around a map that's less than five square miles and you get the signatures and you have a vote, you get to be a village. Um, So I I don't think there are enough checks and balances. And, you know, the issue as it, it arose in my district, I had two villages that formed and almost immediately they had buyer's remorse and they were disincorporated. Pine Valley, Mastic Beach. And in the case of Mastic Beach, they left a pretty hefty debt behind for the, for the town of Brookhaven. So, you know, one of the key parts of the legislation is that people should have the right to vote on whether or not they want to be a village, but it should be an informed vote. And uh, the legislation that, that passed in both houses of the legislature, one part of it anyway, requires that a financial feasibility study be done and it be posted on the Secretary of State's website. So the idea here is those that want to incorporate, what's your vision for a new village and what, it's going, what is it going to cost? And you should share that with the people that uh, ultimately you're going to have to vote on it. So uh, not just the, the right to vote on a village, but the right to have an informed vote. Do you feel like a feasibility study can be a meaningful document before a village has actually gotten up and running and appointed leaders who might steer their new municipality in one direction or another? Well, you know, once there's a village, they elect a mayor and village trustees. And from that point on, they get to decide what the vision for the village is. But at least at the outset, I think uh, those that want to incorporate, those who think that, you know, breaking away from the town and creating your own government 
they should at least present to the, to the people that are going to vote what their vision is. Uh, ultimately, it's a democracy, and you know, what happens five years or 10 years or 20 years down the line is, is up to the village government. But uh, too often, these village incorporations uh, initially are just based solely on emotion. People are angry at the town. They're enthralled with the idea of home rule, but they don't really have any facts to understand what that's going to cost them and what it's going to look like. So I, I think the idea up front of at least presenting that kind of information uh, is helpful for voters in deciding whether or not they want to be a village or not. When you say helpful, do you mean potentially helpful in stopping some of these incorporations? Because it seems like it's a deterrent, possibly. Well, I, it certainly it is a check on, on the process. But again, I, I think informing people of, of what of what the village would look like and what it's going to cost is uh, is one of the most basic things you should have in making a decision. So yeah, it, it makes it a little bit harder. You got to do a little bit more work before you become a village. But I think you know, in the long run, that's you know, information that people should have. And uh, in my experience, uh, you know, I've seen where feasibility studies have been done voluntarily. Uh, Sometimes the villages are are disapproved, which was the case in East Quag in my district. The voters voted against it. And then I've seen in the case of Sagaponic where a new village was created and it's worked perfectly well. But, you know, I, I think information is power and voters deserve to have that kind of information. Your legislation would also address the number of people in these potential villages raising that threshold from 500 uh, to 2,000. Why is 2,000 the sweet spot? Yeah, I'm not sure that there's a uh, hard and fast number. I think people felt that 500 uh, was too small, that it could lead to a proliferation of government, which people don't want to see. In fact, you know, in, in the 1960s, that did happen in Nassau County. So many villages were created that uh, the, the Nassau County Charter took away their land use power. Yeah, they mentioned that during the floor debate. So, uh, so uh, you know, 2000, um, that's what we passed. There's still some discussion about whether, you know, 2000 is the right number. I, I think there's the feeling, though, that 500 was too small. And there's still some discussion about the, a potential chapter amendment mm-hmm. that might drop that to 1500. So there's still some, still some discussion going on about that. But you know, I, th- I think people felt that 500, you, you could have a lot of local governments that could be very costly. Well, returning to what you mentioned about the Nassau County response to the proliferation uh, of villages, what do you think about the state imposing some sort of statewide version uh, of that local decision in Nassau County to essentially take away some of the land use decisions from villages? Should these be in the hands of towns and large municipalities? Uh, Should we think about this as a deterrent more broadly for slowing down the proliferation of villages? Yeah, really almost intersects with the housing discussion that we had earlier Mm -hmm. uh, in the legislative session and that whether or not, you know, that large number of local governments, whether it allows for for regional planning. Uh, You know, nobody in Albany, at least in the legislature, nobody in the legislature is discussing altering the home rule authority over land use for for towns or villages. Uh, You know, I certainly think that there are cases and housing, maybe one of them, where we want to encourage encourage more regional planning, but I think we should be doing that with incentives and looking at local government as partners. You know, one of the examples of that certainly on Long Island was the, the Long Island Pine Barrens. You know, instead of leaving that to every 
uh, town and village, we had a particular resource or where our drinking water was that needed to be protected. And there we did create a state commission, but the state commission included not just the state and county, but the three towns. Uh, so it was kind of a, a hybrid state and local authority that looked over land use. So, you know, there is a, there is a role certainly for regional planning uh, and, uh, you know, with issues such as housing or protecting drinking water. Uh, you know, I think the legislature has a role in trying to incentivize that kind of regional planning. Well, going back to the issue of village incorporation, we've talked about some potential changes to the process that are identified in a bill that you passed with State Senator James Scoofus, an Orange County Democrat. Are there other pathways that you think the state should be considering towards village incorporation, or is this the thing that you're really committed to? Well, the major thing for me was the, the financial feasibility study and, and, and making sure that people had information before they voted. Uh, there is a second bill uh, that was passed uh, with uh, the Senate Majority Leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, that would further uh, change the village incorporation process, most notably... Uh, under current law, it's the town that presides over this process and, and uh, has the election. Uh, under, the, under the Stuart Cousins bill, which was passed, that authority would be transferred from the local town to a commission, uh, a three-member commission that includes the attorney general, the state controller, and, and the Department of State. Uh, and the idea of that is that you know, towns, villages, they all have a dog in the fight. Perhaps there should be an independent commission that's looking at issues such as financial feasibility. Do you view these two bills as companion bills, or do you think that it's going to be a one or the other approach when it comes to the governor and what she'll sign? Yeah, it's not one or the other. Uh, the, you know, the, the first bill we talked about with the financial feasibility study stands on its own, doesn't really need any additional legislation. But if the governor decided to, to sign the second bill, they are compatible. So... Uh, you know, they were written in a way that you could do one, you, you could do the financial feasibility study or you could do both. It wouldn't make sense that the, the commission bill alone wouldn't be able to stand alone. So, you know, that's or the governor could decide, as she often does, that she wants chapter amendments and wants to see some changes. Well, finally, turning to the other side of this equation, so to speak, do we need to make it easier for villages to disincorporate? Well, there was a bill that the legislature passed back in uh, when former Governor Cuomo was actually Attorney General Cuomo uh, about uh, being able to consolidate and, and dissolve local governments and special districts. It was particularly aimed at special districts. Um, I, I don't think we need to change the law on, on disincorporation. You know, my experience with that has been that uh, it works. Uh, you know, we have a process for that. You know, as I said, I've had two villages disincorporated in my area. There's been uh, others across the state where that's happened. So, you know, that's a, that's a process currently that, that, that seems to be working. I'm not sure we need to, to make any changes there. Um, you know, where the issues had been more than anything had been with the, with the creation of villages. And, again, I, I characterize it as buyer's remorse where, you know, they figure they, – they vote for a village and then – uh, after a couple of years, see what it's going to cost and, and how it works and, and, and uh, want to disincorporate. Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember Fred Thiel. He's a Long Island Democrat who chairs the Chamber's Local Government Committee. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you, Dave. It's good to talk to you. And for more Capitol Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org 
or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.